Hey, back again with Start Mindsets episode 21. Uh, special guest today is Anil Narasimha. Yeah. I know him through a good friend of mine, uh, Stefan, who is a uh, chief of staff over there They're in the biotech space, doing pretty exciting things. I have read they recently closed a seed round, so big congrats. Thank you. How are you uh, doing this fine morning? <laughs> doing great, doing great. Um, kind of crazy times that we live in right now, but um, doing the best we can. <laughs> Totally, man. I think a great place to start would be just, you know, getting a high-level overview of what Mechanos is and, um, sure. yeah, just from your perspective. Yeah. Um, well, th- again, thanks thanks for having me, guys. Uh, really appreciate it. Um, so Mechanos, uh, what, we're, what our major aim is, is to create a universal platform of, of, of delivery of molecules or payloads into cells. Um, ex vivo, meaning outside of the body. Um, for, I think, with having a platform like that, it, it allows us to kind of access a number of different types of applications. Um, but it looks like probably the, the, the primary application for this is in the personalized medicine space, um, specifically uh, cell and gene therapies, where you're actually using your own immune system or your own systems itself to fight off and, and, and potentially cure um, uh, a disease that you have. So that's that's kind of the, the general overview. And there's a lot of kind of unique features that we bring to the table and, and all of that stuff. But that's that's our goal, to really create a platform of universal delivery of, of any kind of molecule into any kind of cell. For sure, yeah. I read you guys do that through MEMS, which is like microelectronic. Yeah, yeah. And that's like a scent, like a... Sort of like it has to do with semiconductors, right? In the, it- yeah, it's like a, a MEMS chip is, is you know, every, every cell phone has a, has a MEMS chip. If you, you know, if you have a, you know, if you rotate your cell phone from vertical mode to horizontal mode, that sensing capability, that's actually a MEMS chip doing work right there. Um, and so we, we, we try to utilize the, the power of silicon um, and to, to create kind of the, the essence of what our platform you know, is. It's, um, you know, we like to think of our platform as uh, a combination of three distinct elements. Um, number one is, 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 as you were saying, a, a silicon chip made out of using MEMS technology, microelectromechanical systems technology. Um, the second is another chip that we've developed using microfluidics technology, which is also, you know, a buzzword these days. Um, and then, um, and then, we actually have a, a patented surface chemistry um, to kind of wrap everything together to create kind of the, the gist of what our platform is all about. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. So did you, so what, what came first? Did the uh, idea come first or did like an accident in the lab happen? Or? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so the idea came first um, with, with, with using MEMS um, uh, and uh, that I think so. The engineering aspect was, was kind of thought out a little bit, and and then the question was okay. So we have this idea of we actually what we we actually use controllable nanoneedles that are on that are placed on our MEMS chip to actually directly inject pop molecules in the cells. So uh, the analogy I like to use is in vitro fertilization. If if you're familiar with that, is you know you have a, a needle. You know that contains your sperm, and then you're injecting an egg, right? With a with with you know to to, to fertilize an egg, right? So um, 
picture that same type of analogy, but just instead of one needle in one cell, it's you know thousands and, and millions of, of needles in an array um, doing parallel injections of cells at the same time. So that's kind of the maybe a visual kind of representation of what we're trying, what we're what we're developing. Um, so we had the idea of of the of the needles and the con like the the controllable aspect of the needles, but um, maybe the second part of that was you know what application is there in the biological world, right? Because you know it, as you know being a molecular biologist and 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 kind of working in the lab every day for you know a number of years um there are a lot of needs in the lab right that are like oh you know if we had this one way of doing this better it would ease so much so many other things right and make make my life so much easier and so figuring so once we had the engineering kind of aspect of that then it's figuring out what the you know what the application would be, right? And so we were at Stanford and, and just talking to bio, biology professors, being like, hey, look, we have this idea, you know, what, what applications could this be used for? And we ended up on, on like, you know, this big need, not just in the lab setting, but in pharma and everything like that, of just more efficient delivery of molecules or, or, or payloads um, into cells, you know, using some kind of engineering solution could really kind of be a game changer in the space. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean that's that's super interesting. Is there like a is this like a one size fits all? Like any gene therapy or cell therapy? Yeah, I mean our, our goal is to create a, a universal platform, right? Um, you know, there's there's you know once we started kind of re doing kind of the market research, you know, I, I you know we actually did some. Uh, incubator slash programs to really help us out with you know customer discovery and and things like that. I'm happy to kind of share, share that with you as well. But once we kind of figured that out, it was you know okay. So we have this delivery application, but what does that actually mean? How can we get even more specific than that, right? And and it's really in these in this personalized medicine space, the gene therapy, as you were saying, cell therapy, immunotherapies, um, where um, you know, the, the efficient delivery of these molecules becomes even more important than your traditional kind of small molecule antibody therapies. That's, that's quite interesting, you know. So you started the company back in like 20... 27, so we, we officially incorporated in 2017. What, what, what made you think that it could be a company just that, there, you know, there's a lot of high-level applications in, in the pharma space, or was it just... Yeah, yeah again, doing, doing our research, right? So we started... Um, you know, talking to a number of, of professors um, in the academic space, um, specifically, you know, a person like Irv Weissman, who's, you know, one of the godfathers of, of stem cell biology. And, you know, when he got excited about the potential um, impact that a, a platform like ours could, could have, especially in the stem cell world, um, you know, that gave us some, that gave us really excitement about, hey, you know, we could be onto something. And then, and then further than that, further, there, you know, we entered into a couple of programs just to kind of see, you know, what this looks like, right? You know, we did the, I don't know if you've heard of this, but the, the right. NSF I-Core I program, uh -huh. um, where we actually, our cohort was in Boston. So this was in um, uh, 2017 as well. Um, and uh, so just understanding for, because I'm a first time founder, right? So just how to be an entrepreneur, you know, because you think, you know, 
you think your platform's going to be the greatest gift to you know of all time right to everyone right but but it's it's obviously much more than that right figuring out what you know needs versus wants and 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 things like that and so identifying our customer segments you know doing our customer research and diligence and and all of that just and and you know getting more data points there kind of we realized that I think we were we were onto something and so we decided to kind of officially start a company yeah yeah did you um picture this happening when you were uh, doing all that research in the lab like um, going from science to business I mean uh, honestly no <laughs> um, you know I, I I've always had an interest in biology um, even from high school so um, I was I was a MCB major at Berkeley so molecular cell biology major at Berkeley um, and then uh, I ended up doing research in an undergraduate lab there um, with um, with Gary, Dr. Gary Firestone, who's a, who's a, a, a professor at, at, at Berkeley and, and, and doing some cancer related research, which really got me excited, right? And just doing, doing the research aspect of that. And um, I had the inkling of going to med school, like, I think like most people, um, but um, I decided, you know, instead of going to med school, what if I went to grad school and got my PhD? So I ended up going, getting my PhD um, and then doing kind of basic science research. Like I, I worked at UC San Diego and, and, and you know, published a paper and, and, and did some really good research there. Uh, but it was really basic science, right? And, um, you know, sometimes with that, you, you get bogged down into mechanisms, which is great. And, you know, we elucidated a lot of mechanisms, you know, in, in fundamental cell biology. But your fruits of your labor, at least that gets translated in the clinic or, or something like that, like, that takes like years and years and you don't just, you don't see that um, uh, kind of up close and personal. Right. So, um, so then I did a postdoc kind of more at Stanford with Mike Snyder and, and more on personalized medicine, like next generation sequencing technologies, if you're familiar with that. Right. And, Illumina, and a little bit of that, right. Or they do DNA, sorry? Illumina. That, that one. Yeah, exactly. So we actually had a collaboration with Illumina. So actually, um, during my postdoc, I actually went to the campus in San Diego and worked there for a couple but, of years. Yeah. yeah, so it was, it was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, exactly, right? So, but those are kind of like the, the, the right next to the front door of like this, this, you know, these new personalized medicines, therapies, and things like that. And so that got me really excited. And, and, and to be honest, you know, when I started my postdoc, I didn't know what, you know, post-postdoc, you know, what I was going to do, right? But then... Um, I was fortunate to be in a situation in a lab with a with a with an advisor who is on the who's on the precipice of of new technologies, new companies, and I, I think I just got into the I just got the entrepreneurial bug from that, um, and 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 decided to you know start a company from that. I have a curious question because um, you've seen many. Um, entrepreneurs uh, that come to our our, our show uh, and they say that you know they ended up going to an environment that all of a sudden they realized that they were an entrepreneur yeah uh, you mentioned to us that that's kind of maybe happened during your postdoc like what what about that experience kind of solidified what could already be in you right um, yeah. just going I mean because you know for example like I had you know opportunities in my younger years to go to you know, PhD, pure PhD, and 
Sure. You know, even let's say an MIT is very different thinking of like what a postdoc should do versus let's say uh, Stanford. What, why, you know, when you went to Stanford, like what, what happened there? Right? <laughs> um, well, it's a great question. Um, I don't know if I can pinpoint like a specific event, but the cool thing with going to Stanford and with any like university, you meet a lot of people that, um, that, that are obviously brilliant people. Um, but are kind of doing, are going different routes, right? And, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, in a, especially in a, in a postdoctoral setting, you know, a number of my friends ended up going the academic route and, and, and became professors or assistant professors, right? And, and that was definitely one route I was thinking about as well at some point during my postdoc. Um, but then there were others at the same time that were using that postdoc to either springboard into a larger company, like a, you know, a biotech company, like an Illumina or, or, or something like that. And that was also of interest to me at some point as well. Um, and then you had the, maybe a third group of people that were like, Hey, look, you know, I, I found this idea out at, in, um, during my postdoc or grad school or whatever it is. And I really want to explore it into, you know, starting a company. Right. And out of all of those three, the last, the latter just seemed the most exciting for me. And was it like, um, was there some kind of threshold or some point mm-hmm. of uh, there? I, I don't know. It was probably a gradual kind of thing that happened. Um, you know, I did, uh, when I was there, there were a number of people that were able to start companies and, and start and, and become successful. Um, and, and the impact that they had on, you know, society, I guess, if you want to call it that, is, was something that I've, I thought was very, um, that, that was something that was really of interest to me. And, um, and you know, just, just seeing the success there and, and just, and as you were saying, just being in an environment that was really yeah. conducive for that, um, I guess, just just made it just made sense to make that jump gotcha man so a little bit of, i mean a little bit going you know forward uh just wondering you guys are more of a biotech company and you know with shelter in place and i don't know like i mean does has it limited access to like lab work or like uh yeah for sure i mean um just spent time with <laughs> yeah so i mean during because of covid um you know access to facilities has been difficult there's no doubt but luckily um you know, we don't have problems there anymore, but, you know, you got to plan, you got to, what, what, what it actually ended up doing, which I think was a, you know, a blessing in disguise was, um, you know, we were, we were growing, you know, we were growing, we were bringing people in and, and not having access to lab because, because, you know, we're a company that not only needs access to biological lab facilities, but also engineering lab facilities, right? So we actually work at the Lawrence Berk, uh, Berkeley National Labs. LBNL in, in Berkeley to do our, our nano needle fabrication and our and our small scale chip development and manufacturing right and so not having access there obviously was 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 pretty big you know it was a big problem for us I'm not going to lie there but um, what it ended up doing was you know we focused on a lot of things that that helped us just really build the culture of the company just just um, and and bring us up to speed on the non lab things right like you know our IP portfolio are, um, uh, you know, just understanding, like getting more organized as a, as a company, right? And, and, and 
utilizing proper protocols for for note taking for uh, just keeping everyone on task and and just knowing what you know and, and creating gantt charts for milestones and goals and things like that right and and so that really helped us focus there and it allowed us to like when we did ended up raising this round like you know we had a really good mindset of you know these are the these are the goals these are the milestones this is you know how long this is going to take this is and just working with everyone in the company um kind of that, that that really helped out but obviously you know the fact that you don't have lab facilities your tech development's going to stunt a little bit for sure sure yeah has that changed like what you wanted to has it changed like the the uh company trajectory or like the mission at all like just since there's no not necessarily um i, I think we were pretty good um you know mark webb who's our head of engineering he's done an excellent job of of you know making sure that the trajectory hasn't dramatically changed sure did we lose a, a couple of months here yeah obviously i don't think there's any way getting getting around it but just you know working on things that allowed us that you know when the lab facilities actually ended up opening that we hit the ground running right we weren't there wasn't any kind of uh, delay in you know getting back up to speed so we did everything in our power to make sure that when the lab facilities did open um, you know, we hit the ground running and we didn't lose as much time as we, we probably could have. That's a great point. What I'm curious to learn more about is uh, what, what obstacles do you guys face on a daily basis? I mean, as a young, so I'm yeah. sure like a big difference between, you know, established biotech company that has funding and resources and, you know, that, that uh, like more, more people towards, uh, what they're building, but when, when you're young and you, or when you're small, how do you, I guess, get around some of those things? Is it more time in the lab or is it, <laughs> what is it that people do or what is it that you do? Yeah, it's, it's a great question, right? Um, especially in these times. I mean, one of the hard things that, and, and that we constantly think about is, um, you know, we live in a virtual world, right? And so we don't, so, so we don't get to see each other every day, right? Uh -huh. And, and um, and so we we continuously think about ways to make sure that um, you know we keep the company culture we we add to it and you know this includes you know doing like virtual coffee breaks with everyone right where you know it's just a, a time of day where everyone gets on Zoom and 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 chats and if we want to talk about work we can if we don't want to talk about work we want to talk about the weather or whatever it is yeah. you know, we have that ability right but it's it's your kind of it's a, it's analogous to a coffee break, right? And and so that's you know one idea that 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 we we um, that uh, we're starting to do. Um, it's a good point, right? Um, with a biotech company, um, you know, being kind of and not just biotech, any company, just being in disparate parts or disparate you know locations, um, it's hard. So you know, before the stay-at-home order that we're in, you know, we have you know, every week we have kind of lunches and, and, and socially distanced lunches, obviously, but, um, and, and, and things like that, just to, just to keep, not just the morale high, but just to kind of, you know, get to know each other better because we've hired, you know, we've hired during this COVID time, right? Which means that, you know, we haven't had the ability to meet in person with the new hires very often, right? And so getting everyone into the proverbial, proverbial same room is sometimes really tough, right? So, um, as a as an exec team in, at the company, that's something that you know we're we're constantly mindful of and, and try to 
kind of kind of figure out solutions that way. But I'm sure we're not the only company in this, you know, in this space uh, it, that has these types yeah. of situations, right? So, mm. so I guess Daniel, um, I guess a quick question for me, and maybe it's a little bit of a looking back question, right? Like, you know, where where did your passion for, you know, it, it seems like you have a lot of passion for culture, for, you know, making sure people are welcome, building out a company, but also the passion for basically science and, and yeah. biology. Like, where did it all come from, right? Because <laughs> something that, like, I, at least me personally, I, I didn't, I wasn't very good in biology, right? I was more <laughs> better in, like, you know, electrical engineering and circuits and all these things, right, when I was sure. young and dabbling with things. But very few of my classmates, especially that's not the ones that said, I want to go to doing biology because it's just a path to med school, but this is not really what I want to do, yeah. right? So how, how did you get that? What was the influences in your, your life that kind yeah. of led you to this? Because we're super curious on, you know, this energy and where it comes from. Yeah, no, a great question. So, so um, maybe two people. Um, so first, I have an older brother who's four years older than me. And he, he went the biology route as well um he uh he went into the pharmacology world world so slightly different than my kind of basic science um or molecular biology um world um but you know the things that he was doing because he went to he went to stanford for undergrad and I, i remember him doing research at stanford and and showing me some of the stuff that he was doing there i thought that was super interesting so that that's kind of maybe my first foray into, hey, is biology a thing? Is it something that I could be, something that I could do in the future? Um, the second person is my um, AP biology high school teacher, right? And that's probably maybe a little cliche, but um, he was a, he was a um, Mr. Cooser. Um, and, um, uh, and he was a, a, I actually took AP chemistry from him as well. And um, it was, uh, the way he taught biology was, I thought, really interesting. Um, and it, he wasn't just a textbook guy. You know, we had this huge biology textbook, if you guys recall from high school. It's this gigantic, like, 700-page textbook that no one reads, right? right? The, so he, he, you know, he did kind of stuff beyond that, right? Like, so, you know, when I was in high school, I don't want to date myself too much, but when I was in high school, like, you know, you know, biotechnology, the, you know, the buzzword was, was, was really um, kind of getting more kind of, um, I guess, popular, right? And, and one of the things that he did was we actually took a field trip to um, a biotech company. And I don't even remember what the biotech company was called. Like, I have no idea. But it was this biotech company that was working on mitochondrial gene sequencing, Right. I barely knew what a mitochondria was, a gene sequencing is like, I don't know what that means, right? Um, but it was my first foray into an actual biotech company uh, where people were doing like gel electrophoresis and running gels and doing PCRs and, and doing all these kind of cool things that like I had heard of, but I'd actually never done, uh-huh. right? And um, that was an example of a, uh, so that particular field trip, like that, that's still kind of, I still remember that pretty, pretty vividly, but it was those types of kind of situations that um, our, my teacher, it wasn't just, Hey, memorize these seven pages. It was, you know, can you apply some of the stuff that we've learned into real world examples, which I think 
um, helped me. It just got me more interested because I, unfortunately biology right now has a, a, a stigma of just like, Oh, that's just, just memorization, right? It's just, it's just memorizing, you know, the, the Krebs cycle or, or glycolysis or, or something like that. Right. And, 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 and unfortunately it's a way it's, it's, it's taught like that, not just in high school, but in college as well. But I think where the, the beauty of biology and, and is just, is the application, right? Like, I don't, if you ask me what the, what, how, what the enzymes and glycolysis are, I probably, I'll be like, Hey, I'll look at Wikipedia and get back to you. Right. But, you know, applying some of the concepts that you learn in biology, um, PCR and, and, and these other concepts into real world applications that actually have an impact on society. Do you, that, 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 sorry, that, that's, that's what excited me. Yeah. So follow up there. Do you get that freedom as a student? I mean, to do to to not only think about applying the things you're discovering in in in, in school, but to, to real life stuff. I mean, or is it like you just have to do what the teacher says and you just get your grades? I mean, there's 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 a lot of just hey, this is what the teacher says, right? But I think there are certain things where you know curiosity can 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 really help you kind of just understand the world better, right? And um. I think you need to have that innate curiosity within you, especially for concepts within biology. Um, and maybe I had that, uh, but um, it, it is also a product of, you know, how you're taught these things. And, and I, I can definitely imagine a scenario where if I didn't have the right teachers in, in high school or even college. Yeah. Um, so I, in, in college, you know, I was mentioning, I worked in Gary Firestone's lab. The reason why I worked in his lab, because I took his, um, introductory biology class right like bio 1a which is literally the introductory biology class and the way and there were three different professors that taught the class so, so there was it was kind of um structured that way and and he was a professor that just i could relate to just the way he taught the the way he um it, it was just it just clicked it was just like wow this is this is really cool, even though it was kind of fundamental biology stuff, right? But it, the way he taught, the examples that he gave, um, that, that, that clicked. And I just went, in, went to his lab one day and just asked if he, <laughs> if he had room for an undergraduate student, a sophomore, I think I was back then. Hey, do you have room for me to work in your lab? And he was super nice about it. And he's like, yeah, I think so. Let's, let's see what we can do. And so that so that was kind of the first being like, oh, wow, I actually, I'm actually going to be working in a lab doing some really cool stuff. So That's pretty awesome, yeah. I think one, one more thing I want to get to know better is uh, what's the business side look like from, from your end, right? Like having to yeah. do, you know, is there FDA? I mean, sure, I'm pretty sure like FDA approval and all these things come in, but is that, I think, that yeah. first customer? Yeah. So the F. So so right now we we do have tr we have some good kind of BD traction going on. So you know we have a couple of pilots um, going on with with some large pharma companies, which is really exciting for us. It allows us to um, showcase what our capabilities are and are not, even right now as we continue to develop the product. Um, uh, so so that's really good um, in terms of compliance. Um, the FDA, not so much, but, you know, if we want to get into manufacturing, right, because one of the biggest needs in cell therapy, so I, I don't know if you know, like cell therapies, there's, you know, there's a handful of FDA approved drugs out right now, starting from Kimraya, which is Novart, from Novartis um, in late 2017. Um, 
and and there's I think there's 1,200 clinical trials going on globally right now in in cell therapy. So exponential growth is is totally it's 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 going it's it's exponentially growing I guess right. Um, but one of the biggest needs is um, the manufacturing of these cell therapies. It's not. Um, is that uh, where, where uh, Mechanos sort of... Uh... Yeah, so yeah, in order to get into manufacturing, you have to have, you know, GMP compliance and, and things like that, right? So, um, so we're not there yet, right? So how can we work backwards from there to get to that point, right? And, and, and so most of our, our, all of our relationships right now with, with our customers are in the R&D space, right? Just kind of this idea of discovery or um, really kind of accelerating these 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 new discoveries and it's um um it's 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 been great right i mean in the sense that we're getting traction and and you know maneuvering within the the world of pharma can be sometimes really intricate and complex right and and just getting our feet wet and and getting into their ecosystem is is what has been one of our goals and we continue to do that as we as we continue to grow and develop yeah man for sure uh so, so you guys have raised venture money, right? It seems, and um... yes. yeah. So, so we raised a seed round um, in June of 2018, and then another round we just closed. And we're calling it a seed two round. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> these um, nomenclature, but um, see, we're calling it a seed two round. So we just closed that uh, a couple months back. Yeah. Did you happen to work with uh, Robin Robert Roberts, by the way, from the? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know Robin really well. So, um, so. Um, Mykonos is part of the Novartis biome, oh. um, which is, I guess you can call it an incubator, but it allows us um, um, great access to office space in, 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 um, on, in market in the city, like basically Montgomery Street. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. So, so we have office space there. But then more importantly for us, we, um, we also get access to work um, in, at the Novartis Institute of Biomedical Research, Nibber and Emeryville. Um, to, to for free basically, and 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 so all our biological um, lab work is is done in that facility. So we're we're totally grateful to um, Novartis and the Novartis Biome specifically, and and Robin and his team um, for allowing us to do that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Robin's awesome, dude. Um, what what I wanted to ask is, uh, you know how startups are? I mean, I guess the traditional Silicon Valley sense is uh, they're their um, software, really big software, composed or uh, super like proprietary tech. But but when you do, you, but when I'm thinking about it, like as a science biotech based company, it seems like in science that there are so many. This is you know more objective versus uh, uh, where it's like another like any other startup really is more like subjective in the sense that there's a lot of like room for. Um, experimentation or um, if you look at like uh, I don't know just throw out like a name like uh, like uber or something right where it's just I, I mean I guess in a sense what I'm trying to say is that there's a lot of uh, uh, element like that like things that would like make them a startup would be I guess just uh, a lot of exper experimentation and like a lot of playing around with random ideas and like making new products but in the science sense where it's you know this is this is like a this either works or it doesn't work, right? Yeah, it's a, it's a good point, right? I think there's the, there's there's still degrees of how well it works, right? Um, sure, if if you're if you're if you're developing a product and it doesn't work, then um, you're kind of you got you got to think of something else, right? So, um, but um, 
made you what was that what, what was that moment maybe when you discovered like yo this is where this is actually yeah. uh factual or like this is you know really a really good idea like was that uh, yeah so our initial like our initial initial experiments at stanford um when when we started playing around with um obviously we didn't have a product or anything like that but just kind of some some of the components of the product um and and playing with and 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 using on live cells um and and seeing it's like wait you know um we we might be on something and then compounding that with some basic comparison studies with kind of the existing technologies out there that that every lab uses and it's like hey you know the the outputs here seem to be better right uh, at least the, the metrics that normally people normal people use be it kind of efficiency of delivery like how efficient is your is your delivery and and do the cells survive what we call cell viability um those two basic metrics and, and doing some comparison head to head studies and just being like even with a, a non optimized system with kind of a mishmash of components here and there we're getting better results than a bona fide and established kind of pro, uh kind of other existing product that's when we were like oh we could be onto something and then um and then <laughs> going from there right and then and then you know hiring the right people to to actually you know develop the product and and coming up with a you know a business pipeline and a business plan and things like that right but that initial set of experiments in a in a in a laboratory in Stanford uh of just doing just it's like hey let's just check this out see what happens and we were pretty surprised about the results okay um and 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 again besides the fact of doing the research aspect the actual technical aspect being oh wow this could be good um then going from there so if you had to give advice back to your 20 year old self as a student at berkeley it seems like things are working out right like you know you do your biology but um i mean you do your uh, academic work yeah is there like some some sort of advice that you'd give to your 20 year old self yeah like it's it's a good, it's a good question i don't it's a, it's a it's a pretty unique question cuz i haven't really thought about this so um but uh you know maybe to give you some context if if i if i was asking my my 19 or 20 year old self you know would you be would you have started a company um in the space or in 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 biotech um my answer probably would have been no it's like no are you crazy right so um i guess my advice what well, is constantly look out for opportunities that excite you um and those opportunities might not be the the first things that you think of or first kind of notion that 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 you have um um you know one of the sometimes i you know especially back then i i i i sometimes judged a book by its cover sometimes meaning like if i if i didn't immediately like something it's like okay you know i'm forget it i'm going to move on right sure. but but it's it's important to do some research to to, to do some diligence and understand what the opportunity entails right and and then have an informed answer of whether you want to pursue that or not and i think that is important advice i would have given myself cuz i i was a little rash back then just kind of made hastily a haste decisions maybe not for the better and i i think at least you know think about it work the problem you know have look at it through multiple angles and then make an informed decision i think that's something that 
um, I would stress to my 19 or 20 year old self. Cool. And then uh, I guess our last question is, um, do you have any uh, books or do you, that you uh, recommend? Or, or I mean, biotech's pretty interesting, right? Like, Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I just finished reading Bad Blood. I don't know if you've heard of that. That's the Theranos. Uh, <laughs> um, and I thought it was, I thought it was really good. Um, I think there's an HBO, there's a movie out or there's a HBO documentary on it as well. <laughs> um, it's crazy. Right. Um, so in terms of biotech books, uh, I, I would totally recommend that. Um, there's another book that uh, I actually just finished reading um, called uh, when, when breath becomes air. Um, and it's by this uh, Stanford uh, neurosurgeon, Paul Kalanidhi. And um, it's about with um, cancer, like stage four cancer. Um, uh, and he just get, gave birth to his kid. So, or he, he, he and his wife. And, and so it's, it's, it's about, it's a, it's a sad book, obviously. And cause he ends up dying at the end. Um, but it gives you, especially for a, um, me who has a 16 month old daughter, um, it's, it's an unbelievable book just about the emotions that people go through, you know, dealing with cancer first. Um, and it says, this guy's a, and it came out of the blue, um, Stanford neurosurgeon, like one of the smartest uh, neurosurgeons out there. And so he's thinking about it scientifically, but he also has to deal with the emotions of being a father and, and dealing with kind of the tragedy that's going to happen. Right. And um, I think it's a story or, it's a true story. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's a, it was a New York times bestseller. I think it came out about maybe four or five years ago, something like that. Um, but, uh, I, at least it gives, it gives really good perspective on, um, how to, how to, um, cause this is something that, you know, sometimes I have to deal with, and a lot of people have to deal with, right. Is dealing with matters both scientifically and emotionally. Right. And sometimes they don't kind of jive very well right and sometimes your head says one thing but your heart says something else right and um and just dealing with those emotions and understanding them right and it goes back to what i was talking about earlier right about what my advice to my 20 year old self is sometimes if your head and heart are in two different places do some more research have a more informed opinion and and get some more data points so that you can come to a hopefully a consensus of what the right decision that you think is going to be right and um, I think that's, um, that's a challenge for a lot of people, including myself, right? Just like, you know, especially running a company, right? It's like, hey, scientifically, we need to do this. But, you know, culturally or emotionally, you know, how does this work, right? And just kind of making sure that there, it's stepped on, it's, it's, it, it works kind of both ways, every, every decision that you make. Gotcha, yeah. How would you, I mean sort of just came into my head how do you think about culture um in the book we're trying to figure out uh how people think about culture and i mean yeah culture is yeah something you can't force you can't force culture right it has to naturally come about right but hopefully you instill some of the um you know the values that 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 you that that you care about into a company environment that naturally brings out that culture right and it's, 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 
obviously it's, you know, I'm a first time founder, right? So it's not, I don't, I don't think I have the cure all for, for, for this, or I, I, you know, I'm the expert when it comes to these things, but you know, values like diversity and things like that are, are something. And if you look at our website, you know, that's our first thing. If you look at our team page, diversity, right? That's, that's something that's super important for, for, for us. And, and we, we try to emulate or we try to instill some of those values in our culture that, 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 that we're, that we're creating and continue to, um, uh, continue to create, I guess. Right. So, um, that, that's super important, especially for a startup, um, especially for a startup in a virtual world, as, I, as we were talking about earlier, right? It's not, um, uh, again, it, you can't force it. You can't force it, right? It's, it's, it has to come natural. And again, hopefully you're, you're kind of coaxing it in a way that, that brings it kind of the way that you want it to. Yeah, man, I, I think this is, a, this is just like an off-topic thing, but I wanted to like see what you would have to say about, um, I guess, you know, the world we live in is more, uh, I don't know, man, like antisocial, is that the word? <laughs> do, you, do you think that uh, the way, you know, coming from a biology perspective, do you think the way that people interact or people like sort of work with each other is, is changing because of this? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's 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 not even limited to twenty twenty, right? Um, Future, like, right? Yeah, yeah. But also think about it in the past, like you know, when I was growing up, texting wasn't the thing, right, right? Right. If you wanted to talk to someone, you usually you went face to face, or you called them, right? Yeah. Now it's just it's either you know what that message or or a text or an iMessage or whatever it is, right? And um, so that level of communication has changed, obviously. Right. And now, sorry, go ahead. Do evolutionary. Do you think that I guess new, new babies will, will. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, I, I'm seeing that. So think about it. So I have a 16 month old daughter and, and so half her life she's lived in COVID. Oh, okay. Think about it. Right. Yeah. So, um, and so, you know, we've, we've practiced social distancing, so she doesn't interact with a lot of people, including, you know, my parents or my brother or, or in his family or, or, or anyone or her cousins or, or, or anyone else very often, if at all. Yeah. And, and so, you know, your question is, is really interesting because, you know, is this going to change her behavior down the road? Because she just hasn't had that interaction for literally half her life. Right. And I, I don't know what that answer is. Right. Um, you know, we try to admit it, We try to, you know, we have zoom calls with the parents every day. Right. But, you know, having a conversation over Zoom is totally different than having a conversation in person, right? Um, it's just the way it is. But, you know, but we also have to be reasonable and, and, and do the best we can um, under the circumstances. But, you know, a lot of people tell me, and I think I, I do believe this is, you know, kids are more resilient than, than adults when it comes to these things, right? And, oh. <laughs> and, and they adapt, they learn, but you know, it's something to be, it's something to see like this event, this pandemic that we've lived in, you know, has changed our lives for the last, I mean, what, since March, basically, right? So it's almost been nine months. And um, this, you know, you know, 20 years from now, is this, this is going to be a blip on the radar, right? Or this is going to be a blip, right? But ha that blip, is that going to affect? Yeah, that's what I think about. And it's a great question. I, I wish I had. I wish I had an answer, but I, I don't. Um, I, I don't know. I. Uh -huh. you know, <laughs> it's tough to say. Yeah, man. I think 
you know, it's always something to think about. But it's, it's not, I guess it's not good to think about too much, though. You don't, you don't have too much uh, influence. Anybody, every, everybody doesn't have that much. Uh, yeah, for sure. Seeing that, I think that was about it. But what's like the next? Uh, uh, what, what can we expect from Mechanos and uh, you and uh, the team? Yeah, and again, thanks for having me. Um, the so you know we just closed our round. So our, our goal is to kind of continue with our product development. You know, optimize our technology um, to get even more BD traction. Um, always looking for potential collaborators and partnerships. Um, and so 2021 is going to be a big year for us. Um, uh, you know, to be in position to, 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 you know, sign a number of deals, hopefully, um, to, uh, you know, continue to, to have our product, um, uh, and then, and then probably have a, a fundraise sometime later next year. So, um, and so we'll see how, so how it goes, but we're, we're really excited about the future and, and, and see what it holds.